As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Welcome to Brothers in Arms, brought to you by Catholic Men for Jesus Christ, with your hosts, George Rose and Bill Maher. Stay tuned as George, Bill, and their guests discuss topics relevant to Catholic men living out their faith in today's challenging world. And now, here are the hosts of Brothers in Arms, George Rose and Bill Maher. Well, welcome, my brothers, on this beautiful Friday, May 7th day, 64 degrees outside. Spring is in the house, George. And you have your pink shirt on. Uh, we, would, we would say salmon or rose, right? Isn't, isn't that what the priests say? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's you know, our Gautet Day devil. Friday in Speaking here, of the Billy. devil, George is wearing a pink shirt, and he's, he's, yeah. he's mocking mine right Actually, now. Actually, right. I have my salmon-colored uh, polo on. See, oh, see, salmon is the color. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> so it's it's it really is uh, great to be back. I, I've been away from the show for a couple months, just on business travel and so forth. But Jez has sort of uplifted the show and and and, and overvalued it. Uh, with well, my, he's he's a more than capable film. Oh my Bill, gosh! But uh, but he doesn't have the name, you know, Bill Maher. I mean, you know, the Bizarro Bill Maher. <laughs> I am on the other side. No, that the other Bill Maher is the Bizarro Bill Maher. You're the more normal. Bill I am Maher. the more normal. But I was out because of COVID. I beat COVID. My whole yes. family had COVID. Yes, that's Thankfully, that's so. the reason you were out. And look at you, right. you're, you're no, none worse for the wear. I, you know what? It's uh, I feel great. You know, I, I was, uh, you know, there were three in my house that uh, sort of felt it. Uh, the rest are asymptomatic. They didn't have any symptoms. Uh, it was like a mild flu. Uh, but it's funny. I mean, you know, my vitamin D levels are pretty fa- pretty high. What's I'm, your I'm, vitamin I'm at, D level? I'm at fifty three nanograms per milliliter in the body. Wow. So it's pretty high. George. I'm 43. That's right. I got to uh, catch up. That's right. You're, you're slacking there. And they say you want to be between 40 and 80 yeah. nanograms uh, yeah. per milliliter in the blood. And what does that mean? You know, I don't know. It depends on the person. But I take anywhere from 5,000 units to 10,000 units a day, certainly in the winter. Yeah, you take a lot more than me. I take, I, uh, I think, 2,000. Yeah. Uh, well, you might want to up it a yeah, little bit. I think I'm going to up it. Maybe I'll just double the dosage. It, well, no, see if I can beat your 53. I don't know, George. Uh, <laughs> you're definitely slacking there. But that, you know what? I heard a, a scientist talking about the importance of vitamin D levels. Obviously, you know, when you're elderly, you have suppressed levels of vitamin D. Overweight patients tend to have suppressed levels of vitamin D. And most Americans have, if you're above the 35th parallel, have a low level of vitamin D, just not getting enough sun. Yeah. And in the winter, you're completely vitamin D deficient. There's no way around it. Yeah. So, and I've read, too, also uh, people of color, because they have darker skin. Correct. Also, they don't absorb the sun as, as much as, say, a white person does. So they tend to have Correct, because you know, their, their levels, ancestors right? you know, are in, in the presence of plenty of, of sun. So they've, they've built up that... Right, that that uh, mechanism to actually blunt it, whereas you know your skin being lighter, your ancestors coming from Ireland needs to be more efficient yeah. to suck out the uh, and create vitamin D from the sun because again for a lack of sun. So, yeah. so if you're above the 35th parallel, and that's you know anyone in you know north of I guess the Carolinas or so, if I'm, memory serves me correct, you really need to mm. to certainly get a lot. So, of what levels. would you recommend? People go out and get a Get a blood test, see what your vitamin D levels are. It couldn't just, hurt. I mean, yeah. I, I heard a scientist talking about even with COVID, you know, you cannot go into a cytochrome storm if you have adequate levels of vitamin D. The, the vitamin D will prevent the immune system from going hyperactive. Yeah. So, I mean, that alone is is, is important. Mm. Um, I, I can speak to me. I mean, I'm an N of one, um, but 
COVID wasn't all that bad. And, and I was, I had symptoms for a couple of days and here's something controversial. I guess I went on ivermectin, two mm-hmm. days of ivermectin, 15 milligrams, um, QD, which is once a day for two days by eight hours into it, I felt almost hundred percent better. Yeah. And, and, and they're using ivermectin, which is an antipyrosetic drug. It's, uh, part of the who's world health, uh, of safest drugs. It's been around a long it's time. It's been around a while. It's developed in uh, Japan, I believe. Yeah, right? it was. It was developed in Japan. Was, was as it an, to prevent uh, malaria? Or no, what antiparasitic. Was it? Antiparasitic. But it, it seems to have some amazing antiviral properties, uh, even some viral activity against mm. things like Ebola, West Nile virus, and right, apparently right. COVID. And it's being used all over the world. It's a little bit controversial in the U.S., um, but I can't see why. Why it's har- pretty much harmless. It's yeah. extremely safe. So why wouldn't you try it for two days? Sure. And in in my household, we had amazing results. Um, yeah. I, and I kid you not, by the second dosage, I felt 100 percent better. Bill, this single handedly is going to be a run on all the pharmacies in uh, the diocese <laughs> of Trenton now because of you, ivermectin. The well, one, nobody yeah. will be able to get it. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, in in Australia and uh, in, in some other parts of the world, they're even using it prophylactically. Yeah. So, again, how can it hurt? You know, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those things. Interesting stuff. Well, listen, you uh, you mentioned our uh, Irish ancestry. We both happen to be Irish. We're very proud of that. Is our knockney? Let's what's that? Is our knockney? I am Irish, just like you. Eringo Bra. Ah, indeed. (laughs) Well, we have an Irish. In this case, blessed today, right? Yes, we have a blessed. Our our saint of the month, our blessed of the month is. Uh, blessed Edmund Ignatius Rice. Uh, and I just, I found out and I did not know this. Don't, uh, don't, don't blow it yet. Okay, I won't blow it. I won't blow it. <laughs> uh, uh, we're going to create suspense. Yes, Drum roll. Yes. So Edmund, <laughs> Edmund Ignatius Rice, born uh, June 1st, 1762 in Callan, County Kilkenny. Uh, he died August 29th, 1844. So he was, uh, what's that make him about? He was uh, a ripe old age, late 70s when he died. Feast day is May 5th, just past yep. uh, Wednesday this week. Uh, he was beatified in 1996 by JP2. So who was Edmund Ignatius Rice? He was a Catholic missionary and evangelist. He was the founder of two religious institutes of religious brothers, the Presentation Brothers and Bill. Christian Brothers. Christian Brothers, yes. That? So if... Uh, you are Christian Brothers educated, as is Bill Maher. Yes. You can thank Edmund Rice. For yes, your, I was that. educated Paramus Catholic, which is uh, was the sister school to CBA. Oh, was it? Uh, same Christian Brothers. Uh, yeah. But sadly, the Christian Brothers pulled out of Paramus Catholic some years ago. Mm. Um, difference between Paramus Catholic and CBA was, was that we had a girls' school as well. Okay. They were run by nuns. Gotcha. But, but we, had, we had girls, uh, which was great when you were in high school. Yeah, uh, compared to our our rival uh, Bergen Catholic and also Don Bosco, they didn't have girls, mm. so we were we, that was our only claim to fame because mm. they they dominated us in sports. Those schools, yeah, they oh, did. those are powerhouses and everything. We didn't become a perennial powerhouse in football until many years later. Yeah, gotcha. Well, um, Edmund Rice, what an amazing life he led, though. Uh, so he was born in Ireland. Uh, his education was very compromised, Bill, by uh, the 1709 Amendment to the Popery Act, which uh, that was uh, an act which decreed that any public or private instruction in the Catholic faith would render teachers liable to prosecution. And this was not reformed until 1782. 
And it used to be in Ireland, they had what they called hedge schools. Mm. So they teach out in the back by the hedges, right? And uh, the boys of the Rice family were educated by uh, a member of the, uh, an Augustinian friar in Callan um, who, who taught them. And, uh, you know, they had to do it undercover, though. Um, so, sort of like what's maybe going on in Ireland now. <laughs> Yeah, it's all come full circle, right? (laughs) Churches aren't open and all that stuff. But um, yeah, but, you know, talk about systemic racism, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Indeed. That is the real thing. Uh, His uncle, Michael, uh, owned a merchant business in Waterford. uh, And so Edmund apprenticed to him in 1779. So he was, uh, I guess, what, about 17 years old then Um, in Ballybricken. In Waterford. Oh, do you like the Brogue, folks? <laughs> I love Bally, Bally Brick. And Bally, I think, just means there's lots of places with Bally in front of it in Ireland. It just means village. So village Bricken. Um, so about six years later, Michael died, and Edmund inherited the business. And it was like trading livestock and sending uh, provisions and victuals to the, to the British colonies, I think, mm-hmm. over to, uh, to the U.S., and it was a really successful business. I mean, you know, he was a wealthy man at a young age, and he was smart, and he ran the business well. So um, in se- after his uh, uncle Michael died, he married uh, Mary Elliot, who died a young death in 1789. So they were only married for about four mm. years. She was pregnant when she died, and the baby uh, that was, was born on, on her deathbed and was handicapped for life. I think it was a daughter that he had and needed care for her entire life. Uh, So Michael, I mean, um, Edmund, started to uh, think about having a vocation to a monastery in France. And one day he was discussing this vocation, this call he felt with the sister of Thomas Hussey, who was the Bishop of Waterford, and a band of ragged boys passed by. And she pointed to them and said, What? Would you bury yourself in a cell on the continent rather than devote your wealth and your life to the spiritual and material interest of these poor youths? And because of that British law, the Popery Act, right, there was a lot of raggedy kids, no education, mm. no nothing, just wild kids. Um, and, and he took what she said to heart, and he, uh, he devoted, he, he, he sold the business uh, several years later. In 1802, he decided he was going to sell the business and he established a, a makeshift school in a converted stable on New Street in Waterford. Mm. And at first, the school did not go uh, that great. So he, he hired some teachers, but the, the children were so difficult to manage that they, they quit. They, oh, couldn't, wow. they couldn't teach. They were, they Ra- were rowdy bunch, I guess. Rowdy bunch. Street kids, you know. <laughs> so uh, he decided what he was going to do is uh, devote himself to training teachers who would dedicate their lives to prayers and to teaching the children free of charge. So that's what he did. And, and, and that's what the Christian brothers uh, really uh, took up the, the torch and ran with for so many years. It was born out of that. You know, he, a, a couple of young men from the town where he was born joined him. That really helped things to take off. And, um, uh, you know, and I think in, uh, what year was it? In 1808, uh, Edmund and seven other uh, men took vows for the Presentation Brothers which is the first congregation of men to be founded in Ireland. And then later, in 1820, they split into two congregations, the Presentation Brothers and the Christian Brothers. Wow. And, uh, and look what he did. I mean, there are countries all over the world now, the Christian Brothers. They're known as great educators. More, I think, on the secondary level, right? Yeah, like high school, not like the Jesuits with the colleges. 
the Christian Brothers well, I, more I th- with I the high schools. I think at one time it was all ages almost, but uh, there's so few of them left now, sadly. Yeah. Um, it, it, I definitely have warm memories of, of the Christian Brothers, and I, I would almost be surprised if any of the ones that educated me are even still alive. Yeah. They were all a bit older. Most of them yeah. were older when I was in school. Yeah. Uh, well, even so. at CBA and Lincroft, uh, I wonder how many brothers are actually still teaching there. Yeah, I, they're they're there, but yeah. there's not. It's not like it used to be, right? So yeah. uh, it was yeah. certainly a an amazing uh, a group of men uh, dedicated to education, and uh, uh, I guess all in the uh, because of the efforts of uh, Blessed Edmund Rice and him following uh, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, let's. Uh, Ask Blessed Edmund Rice to pray for us. Yes, and, and especially you guys uh, reached out to uh, Blessed Edmund Rice this month, uh, perhaps as uh, an aid to you uh, as a father as well. You know? yeah, yeah, and all the struggles we're having with the uh, education system in the United States, right? It is not it's, easy raising kids today, that is for sure. Yeah, especially if kids are going to public school or Catholic school, it's not easy right now, right? So, Well, Blessed Edmund Rice, please pray for us. Guys, we will be back in about two minutes, and we'll talk about some of the news. One year after I graduated Catholic High School, I eloped to Las Vegas, Nevada. My husband was not Catholic, and at the time, I didn't really think that it really mattered which church we went to because we all loved God and we all loved Jesus, and that was the start of my journey out of the Catholic Church, where I remained out of the Catholic Church for over 30 years. When I um, started to read the Bible, I could see that our Catholic faith is steeped in Scripture. I could see some of the sacraments in Scripture. I could see some of the liturgy in Scripture. I learned that the Catholic Church was started by Jesus Christ, who gave the authority to Peter, and it has continued in succession down to the present day. And that was the start of my journey home to the Catholic Church. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Life were a result of my rebellion against God and against authority. Coming back to the church is the first step in healing from all of the hurts of the world. I went from being desperate and in despair to finding hope and encouragement for for the future. I'm on God's team. I, I know who I belong to and I know where I'm going and there's nothing that can separate me from God's love. Take another look at the Catholic Church. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Too often Christians walk through life as if their circumstances had the final word, as if a bad doctor report, IRS audit, or mean boss were all-powerful. We need to start thinking and living as if God is all-powerful, because He is. When Paul was in prison, waiting to be beheaded, he wrote things like, I am pressed, not crushed persecuted, not abandoned, struck down, not destroyed. In all these things, we are more than conquerors because of him who loved us. He knew he had the upper hand because he had God's hand. A real champion isn't someone who wins all the time. It's someone who can't be defeated. Christians are supposed to walk through life like real champions. People who face the same struggles and trials anyone else does, but unlike anyone else does. Because we saw the final score and we know who wins. I don't know what you're facing today, but I know who has your back, so hold your head up high. Like St. Paul, you're more than a conqueror. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com on EWTN Radio. Oh, welcome back, my brothers, on this May 7th. We just talked, uh, George just talked a little bit about Blessed Edmund Rice, our patron for the 
month of May, the the sunny month of May. A uh, great great role model for uh, you as a potential parent in the future, or an actual parent, or maybe even a, 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 a you might be a grandparent at this point. Uh, a great role model for us uh, when you have that child that is being disobedient. Think of blessed Edmund Rice yes. and his mission. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a little bit of news, George. You have something you want to share with everyone? Uh, yeah, Bill. Actually, tonight um, the movie Fatima which was, uh, came out, it was supposed to come out last April, and then it was released in, um, uh, on, online. Uh, they actually, AMC uh, has partnered up with the, you know, the producer of the movie, and they've been able to see it. At least tonight, in all the AMC movie theaters. Wow, that's pretty neat. I've, I've seen it on Netflix. It's been on Netflix for Yeah, a while. I watched it too. Yeah. I thought it was a pretty good movie. It's with Harvey yeah. Keitel. Yep. Is it, it, yeah, right? it is. <laughs> uh, um, I also love the uh, the original Fatima. You know, that older movie, I guess that was done in what, the 60s, Mr. Producer? 50s? Was if it was color. So I was thinking, I was guessing uh, 60s. I guess it couldn't be made in the 60s. Had to be made in the 50s. <laughs> but uh, as as the world began to crumble. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that, it, was, it was worth watching. Clearly was worth watching. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that Harvey Keitel did that. He's like a he's a, a um, uh, kind of like a he's a reporter, uh, like a, playing the devil's advocate, speaking to Sister Lucia, trying to find the holes in her story, basically. Right? He's not a believer in God, but um, but a, uh, AMC reached out to the distributors of the movie, a uh, guy Bob Bernie, who's the CEO of Picture House, and uh, they said they'd like to give it a try. So it's five bucks. Okay. Tonight, uh, to watch the movie, and it'll be so. I'd get out there and support it. He he said that you know the AMC said people were writing to them about the movie, a lot of positive factors, uh, and the people at AMC felt really good about the movie. They and they pushed to have uh, this film to be released in the theaters. So. Wow, I, you know how nice it would be to go back to a movie theater. I mean, right? just that alone, right? Just I mean to 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 spend an exorbitant amount of money on popcorn and soda and yeah. sit down and enjoy a movie would be just wonderful to do. So I, I'd say go check it out. Yeah, and, and he says, that, that Bob Bernie, that um, there was a lot that, you know, there was more to the decision than just going to the big screen. AMC felt, and he said, we felt that, you know, to see the movie with other people, friends, family, you can feel the emotion in the room when mm. you're watching it at home, right? And it's... You know, putting it on the big screen, it's sort of a celebration of hope and faith. And it's always better to do that together with a community, right? You always feel better when you're in a big movie theater watching a movie with a oh, bunch yeah. of people, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. Good it, movies, people clap at the end, and they're laughing together or crying together, right? You know, got that stereo sound, the big screen, 100%. So I, I definitely recommend that for sure. And that's what we've missed for the well, last oh, year, Oh, my right? gosh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I you know, yeah, I, I do miss a good movie every once yeah. in a while. It's a shame. Yeah. It's funny, the, uh, last night I watched the Garabindel movie. You did? I did, uh, which is in Spanish with subtitles. Uh, but that was good. And the reason why I mentioned that is our, our guest is going to maybe talk a little bit about that. So hang yes. tight on that one for the, the final part of uh, segment of our program. Um, unapproved apparition, right? But, um, mm -hmm. but definitely interesting. And, uh, yep. you know, it kind of falls in line with the Fatima movie, or, you mm -hmm. know, in this case proposed. But mm -hmm. clearly uh, Fatima is fully approved and yep. uh, really an amazing message. Yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. So, I actually, I have some interesting... What uh, do you got? You know, you know, it's funny because uh, Sir Edmund Rice dealt in a persecuted Ireland, persecuted uh, religious freedom, obviously, and 
preaching the gospel was not an easy thing to do from a Catholic perspective for mm-hmm. a while there. Mm. And we're sort of coming full circle in that really, really all over the world. That one of the articles I have is uh, basically uh, an article that talks about how France is losing one religious building every two weeks. And that's either from demolition, uh, it's from um, transformation, fire, arson is a really big one, you know, and mm-hmm. two thirds of the, uh, or wow. rather two thirds of the fires are arson. Two thirds, right? Which okay. is which is insane. Now um, look at Notre Dame, right? That no, wasn't arson, but uh, <laughs> we don't. We, uh, at least they're not losing. They proposed, that. right? Yeah. Uh, which is oh yeah, and you're talking about France, some of the most beautiful churches in all of Christendom. Yeah, you know, and uh, that's sort of sad. Um, ironically, on the flip side, it's not that religion is 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 going away in France. It's just that for every two weeks, there's a Catholic church or or building or monument uh, being destroyed or mm. removed. Every two weeks, a mosque is popping up. So it's interesting oh, how really? how wow. there's sort of a flip going on. Hmm. Um, it's interesting too because there was another article I was reading about where legislators are are um, a group of congressmen and women are pushing Biden to address religious persecution. Remember, I mentioned two thirds of those uh, fires that were occurring in these churches are are arson related. So there's a, there's a hate crimes there's basically, right? Absolute persecution of religion. My gosh. You guys see it every day. Maybe the most persecuted religion in America now is Christianity, of all things. Yeah. Can you? I mean, you just put Netflix on, Amazon, any of the programs, the series. There is either an overt or covert attack on religion or established mm. religion. Clearly, Christianity. Yeah. Uh, and that's really going on all over the world. You know, with the persecutions of the Yazidis by ISIS. You know, the, the Muslims in China, even anti-conversion laws in, in India. Uh, mm. You can't convert from Hinduism without penalty in some parts of India. So it's, this is, I mean, an overt attack on religion. And in one of the final articles I was looking at relative you know, to this. It's funny about that too, Bill. That's the whole reason this country was founded too, It right? is. You know, <laughs> to have, at least to have the freedom. Religious freedom, the yeah. pilgrims, right? And religious freedom, you know, and the idea of separation of church and state was not to separate churches from state. It was to separate the idea of having an established religion by the state. Right. You know, and so we're supposed to have these freedoms and it's, gone full circle to the point mm. where just in, in Waltham, uh, Massachusetts, uh, I was just reading an article about how, uh, you know, a statue of, of Jesus was beheaded the mm. other day. That mm. kind of stuff is happening all over the country as well. Mm. So we're definitely in, in, in a time of serious persecution, and mm. it's not easy to practice our faith. You know, it's not easy to go to churches nowadays. I mean, you have, you have limitations on the numbers. Uh, you have to mask up and everything like that. And and we're probably luckier than some people. You go to Europe, and it's it's really rough right now. The well, the, the homeland, Ireland, there's yeah. a, a kilometer uh, radius you can't exceed. I think it's five kilometers or something like that. You can't unless you have uh, an, an urgent need. You can't exceed that radius. You can't uh, go out of a five kilometer radius. I think it's five or fifteen, some yeah. really small number. Well, they've also sh- no masses as well, right? For, yeah, I, I don't know if that's changed, but that big big outcry in Ireland. I think the uh, um, the Catholic Church was suing the government because they yeah. weren't allowing them to have masses. It's a it's a big deal, and I have a friend that lives in Monaghan, Ireland, and uh, he's excited that the golf club, uh, course has just finally opened up. Right. <laughs> it's like <laughs> so something is happening, but yeah, yeah so parts of Europe are really in rough rough shape, much worse than us, quite yeah. frankly. Oh, Ireland, 
quite frankly, is a very liberal place these days. <laughs> yeah. It's not even the politics. It's just, it's just the anti-persecution of, of yeah. the faith that, it's, that really preserved Ireland. I mean, you, you think about the, the number of Irish saints mm. scattered throughout the world over time, you know, and some, uh, there's a big argument historically how Ireland saved Western civilization with the monks, right? And, yeah. and copying manuscripts. That's just, yeah. it's sad. We're there's losing a book so on much. That. There's a book on that, Thomas Cahill, I think, How the Irish Saved Civilization. Yeah. He also wrote a book called How the, How the Jews Saved Civilization. <laughs> well, well, different I mean, periods the, of time, the, different... The promised people, right? Different groups have saved it, yes. Yeah, so so anyway, definitely a lot to prey on. I mean, we feel it, you know, you, you feel it. I mean, how, how often, I mean, do you feel even comfortable, you know, proclaiming your faith in public? I mean, I do, but I know a lot of people are struggling with that. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's very difficult, you know? Mm. Uh, the separation of church and state has is, is really been, in America, uh, rewired or, or, or retasked to an mm. attack on religion. You're not mm. supposed to have an overt, you know, uh, stance on religion. And it's, it's a shame. It really is. Yeah, yeah. So we definitely have to pray on that. And um, I guess uh, at this point, do you have any other uh Yeah, articles? Billy, what, what uh, I, did, I see that they're going to uh, allow um, a papal general audience for the first time in six months. On May 12th. So, you know, relative to our discussion, yep. things might be opening up a yes, bit more. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> this is this is hopeful. <laughs> yes. Hopeful news. Yep. I think they had started public audiences a while ago, but then somebody tested positive for COVID that came to the uh, the audience uh, with the popes, and then they shut it down again. But um, but they're restarting it, so that's a good thing. Well, maybe, maybe with this... Um collision of dark matter into the milky way which i read about also by the way the the uh it will open up maybe the the dark matter will knock some sense into the world and we'll start opening <laughs> up. it was an interesting article our astronomers were charting invisible ocean of dark matter swirling outside the milky way and they're actually chronicling this this movement pretty interesting Wow. Yeah. So I don't know. That that, that could be sounds a, cosmic. It sounds very cosmic, right? Maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe it's uh, tied to the warning uh, from Garabandel that maybe we'll talk a little bit, uh, Mr. Yes. Deegan, about in yes, a couple of minutes. Yes. Yes. We're gonna have uh, Bob Deegan is back by popular demand. We had him on last month, uh, and uh, he had a he, lot to say. He had a lot to say and wasn't able to finish it. Uh, and we and actually we wanted him to speak more, so we're bringing him back today. So. Wonderful. So, guys, stick around because uh, we're going to be back in just two minutes uh, with Bob Dygan. When you give in to thinking that's ripping you to shreds, that deflates your confidence, that caves into all your fear, you're not just thinking negatively. You're thinking in a way that's unholy. God wants His people to face everyday life not just redeemed from sin, but with redeemed attitudes, redeemed thinking, a redeemed sense of who they are. Stop beating yourself up between your ears all day. No wonder why you look tired all the time. St. Paul wrote, We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You should think like someone who believes in a God who created you with purpose, who gives meaning to every experience, even suffering, who bestowed dignity and royalty upon you, and who destined you for eternal glory. And why should you think that way? Because it's all true. So when the way you think builds you up instead of ripping you down, that's not just positive thinking. That's godly and holy thinking. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com on EWTN Radio. One year after I graduated Catholic High School, I eloped to Las Vegas, Nevada, 
My husband was not Catholic, and at the time, I didn't really think that it really mattered which church we went to because we all loved God and we all loved Jesus, and that was the start of my journey out of the Catholic Church, where I remained out of the Catholic Church for over 30 years. When I um, started to read the Bible, I could see that our Catholic faith is steeped in Scripture. I could see some of the sacraments in Scripture. I could see some of the liturgy in Scripture. I learned that the Catholic Church was started by Jesus Christ who gave the authority to Peter and it has continued in succession down to the present day. And that was the start of my journey home to the Catholic Church. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Well, welcome back, my brothers, on this Friday, May 7th, this beautiful sunny day as, as spring just bursts on the scene. I'm Bill Maher. I'm here with my co-host, George Rose, and we are here with the great Bob Dygan. Uh, Bob, it is so great to have you back. I Sadly, I uh, missed the show last week, but uh, again, the show got, and, and, and all the guys listening got a, a nice bonus by having Jez Ford in my seat, but uh, I, I'm delighted to actually have you back on the show. Thank you. I'm delighted to be back. So you were, you were, uh, you know, I had a chance to review. George was, uh, you know, we were listening to the yes or last month's show a little bit. You were finishing talking a little bit about uh, God's mercy and hope, and and you know, we wanted to sort of continue that theme. Obviously, divine mercy is a big part of your ministry and your mission. Um, another part uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about was the uh, the apparition or proposed apparition at Garabindel, because you have uh, some some friendship or, or knowledge of uh, Conchita, and, you know, there's there's certainly, a, you know, a lot of interest in, in apparitions out there, so we wanted to touch on that as well. Sure, yes. Actually, the both of those uh, go, go together uh, in the sense of when we look at the landscape of the world today, um, we can see what's going on. Unfortunately, most people judge things on human standards, mm. but if we look in the view of God's standards, um, that what we see, there is something very, very serious that is about to happen. Now, now expound upon that a little bit. Okay, well, when we look at the, the world today, what do we see? We see violence, we see hatred, we see discord, we see uh, pornography, same-sex marriage, uh, especially abortion, in a wide scale, and, uh, and these are grave evils, and uh, the Lord is not looking kindly upon us. Uh, a country of the United States that had been founded to receive God's blessing and it has been blessed tremendously, and yet we are not living up to that. In fact, as uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn had said, that we have forgotten God, and that's the point. Yes, sir. We are leaving our good Lord out of the equation. We're looking at the political leaders to give us um, a sense of uh, social uh, messiah, that they're going to, uh, the government is going to take care of everything. Hey, and, Bob. And that's false. Yeah. Hey, hey, Bob, this is George. How you doing? Thanks so much for coming on the show today. And uh, yeah, George. Yes. And uh, your um, message, I think, you're, that you're giving us is, is so important for people to hear, you know, and, and I know that you are... Uh, I consider you an expert on on Garabandal, and a lot of p- 
people no. may not have heard of it right, at this point, right? Um, I really hadn't, didn't know a lot about it until you started mentioning it to me. Um, and, and you turned me on to the movie, and actually Bill watched the movie as well, the Spanish movie with the subtitles. And, um, uh, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit. Garabandal is apparitions to, to three children, right, in, in the early 1960s. Uh, was it three or four? It was four, right? Was it four? Four. four. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Four, four young girls in their early teens. In the, right. And in 1961 to 1965 in Garabandal, Spain. And it's not Correct. it's not an approved apparition yet. Um, no, but, but it's not disapproved either. It's uh, in a state of flux. So what the Fisher word is, is that they're waiting for... Uh, the uh, prophecies to, to come come uh, uh, true. Oh, because there's actually, so- two of those have already manifested itself. Number one, so the Eucharist has shown less and less importance, and then uh, the whole thing about uh, the clergy abuse that priests, cardinals, and bishops uh, are leading people to perdition mm. as well as themselves. Mm. And, None, and what's, all, what's the final? What's the final yeah. um, uh, piece to the equation? Is it is it the warning that um, you know they they talk about with Garabandal? Is that the final piece? Uh, no, no. Well, well, that's part of it. Um, and in fact, uh, let me put this out there: if if people really want to check into this, uh, they can go on to uh, the web. And uh, especially on YouTube, and and just writing Garabandal, and there's a ton of information on there about that. And the other thing is that uh, on uh, Facebook, uh, if they look up the message of Garabandal by Glenn Hudson, he is uh, a young man from New York. You know, he's he's the expert on on Garabandal. Um, for for the girls. Uh, one is is still living in in the village itself. The other three came to the United States. Uh, Mary Lowley, who lived uh, north of Boston, had passed away from uh, lupus disease uh, for a few years ago. Uh, one of the other uh, gals here, uh, Jacinta, she lives out in California. And then Conchita lives right there in uh, Long Island. Um, they came to for a bit of privacy. You know, they've been bombarded with all kinds of interviews and people wanting to talk to them and ask them. Um, if, if we look on uh, on uh, the message of Garrett Medell with uh, Glenn Houston on Facebook, people are asking the same questions about, well, is the warning coming? Look at the situation with this pandemic and the violence in the world and the lack of moral uh, lifestyle and so forth, that uh, the warning must be imminent. Well, the thing is that people are trying to guess and they're wasting energy. And as Conchita told me herself, people waste too much energy when they could be praying and living the message of Gary Medell itself. Well, because they're almost insulting God by trying to figure things out. Sure. Bob, uh, with regards to the message, you mentioned uh, certainly uh, like an attack on the Eucharist or even a, a lack of even belief in the Eucharist. You talk about the clergy abuse. What was the third? You didn't get into that. Well, the actual message itself is that um, on October 18th, 1961, um, a lady said this, We must make many sacrifices, perform much penance, 
and visit the Blessed Sacrament frequently. But first, we must lead good lives. If we do not, a chastisement will befall us. The cup is already filling up, and if we do not change, a very great chastisement will come upon us. Then on June 18, 1965, uh, through St. Michael the Archangel, because a lady found this to be kind of hard on her to give the message herself, uh, the message was, as my message of October 18th has not been complied with and has not been made known to the world, I am advising you that this is your last one. Before the cup was filling up, now it is overflowing. Many cardinals, many bishops, and many priests are on the road to perdition and are taking many souls with them. Less and less importance is being given to the Eucharist. You should turn the wrath of God away from yourselves by your efforts. If you ask for his forgiveness with sincere hearts, he will pardon you. I, your mother, through the intercession of St. Michael the Archangel, ask you to amend your lives. You are now receiving the last warnings. I love you very much, and I do not want your condemnation. Pray to us with sincerity, and we will grant your request. You should make more sacrifices. Think of the passion of Jesus. Now, the other thing, uh, messages about Garamadel was that there is to be a worldwide warning. What is that? It's going to come suddenly all throughout the world. People who are even in airplanes or in the bowels of the earth will experience this. And it's... Bob, Bob, by other uh, saints throughout the time is a day of enlightenment. That is that we will experience, so we are standing before the the, uh, tribunal judge of God to see... Uh, all the good things and the good things that we should should have done but have not done. And um, it would be a state of conscience to to see, you know, uh, where we stand before God. And the good Lord will give us time to to go to confession and make amends. Now, this will be experienced by everyone, no matter what religion they are. Then... um, Bob, I think, can I jump in for a sec? This is George. I think um, that's kind of what is people call it's called the illumination of conscience right where basically everyone in the world at the same time kind of the the world is going to kind of stop uh for a moment and you're going to see your soul the way god sees your soul and uh Uh and and it's it's a grace really yeah it's an amazing amazing scary scary i'm sure for all right Right, and 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 then you will be able to avail yourself of god's mercy right Mm -hmm. because you're given that well, that, that that warning, um, which is, uh, that, you know, really that, that's incredible just what it thing. is. It's a warning. I believe it's uh, something to look forward to. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, especially uh, today. Um, yes and no, it's, right? It's going to be so dramatic that some people are going to be so frightened that they will die from, from the warning. Wow. So, so, you know, it sounds like um, overall the message, there's nothing in the message that's contrary to the faith. Uh, it's just uh, the the whole overall uh, apparition is is what's not been uh, approved. But the message, as I understand it, is not contrary to the Catholic faith. Uh, therefore, uh, it, it's it's not something you you have to shy away from. I guess is really what it comes down to as a Catholic. 
Right. Uh, there's a wonderful book that was written by a Polish priest from the New Order of a um, Home of the Mother. And the, the title of the book is Garabandel, Message of Hope, by Father Jose Luis Severndar, if I pronounce his name right. Mm-hmm. And uh, he speaks about all the pros and cons, and he mentions several people who agree or believe in Garabandel. St. John Paul II, St. Padre, Padre Pio, Pio yeah. and, and many others, Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa and many others. Yeah. And he says that, unfortunately, where the Church is dragging its heels, this will be approved, but it will be too late. Mm. Mm, wow. Now, it's... the warning is one thing, that that's to that's uh, waken people up. And, and uh, the second thing is that there will be a, a tremendous miracle that will take place uh, up in the pines in Garamadel, in their village, that will be permanent. And it will be able to be seen, photographed, but not touched. And people will know that this is uh, from from the hands of God. In fact, that this will even bring about the conversion of all the Jews. Then, if people don't get their act together, then we're going to have a worldwide chastisement where uh, in one event, um, it was talked about, what they called the night of the screams that the girls saw in total darkness uh, what this chastisement was all about, and they were uh, crying for, for hours afterwards. Now, that's all all, all conditional. So, sure. so we, we have hope. Then on the other hand, God has given this tremendous message of mercy. And in Pope St. John Paul uh, II's encyclical, Rich in Mercy, he mentions that with all our technological advancement, that we're still very sinful and uh, we haven't cured uh, many diseases and so forth. But the thing is, is that things have gotten so bad that we are at a point where we are almost deserving of another flood. Right. You know, wow. it's, it's it, it, Bob, that's... <laughs> You know, even radio stations like this, you wonder how long these, these stations can even stay stay on uh, the air. The persecution is getting so bad. George and I were talking about how right. to be a Christian, even in the United States, a nation that was founded by Christians, um, it's it's not right. a it's not an easy thing these days. And we're lucky compared to other parts of the world. Um, so I, I I look at this message and. And um, and I listen. The A list of of saints that uh, believed in it is means a lot to me. When you when you put people like John Paul II, Mother Teresa, and Padre Pio on that list, that sort of resonates with me. And I, I hope I hope this is the case. I hope that this is real. And I tell you what, that warning, wow, oh, yeah. what a gift from God that would be. You, George, can you imagine the amount of people? It's scary in some cases because you're you're sort of like if you could see your soul. The way God sees it, that that's probably pretty frightening. Yeah, and Bob, you know, correct <laughs> yeah. me, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Bob, but I think that's also going to be an opportunity for people who uh, practice their faith and understand their faith at that point in time. Because there's gonna be a lot of people who have no idea what just happened, right? right? And it's gonna be right, exactly totally out because of the... we're thinking in human terms, right? So um, it's gonna be up to us. Balance? And, and this is uh, uh, Thomas Merton had mentioned this back mm-hmm. in the '60s that. What is the matter today is that faith itself is in the balance. Mm. And it was also talking in many circles that uh, what we are approaching 
uh, at this particular stage in history, is a great apostasy of falling away from the faith. Wow. And, but the great news is, is that, as uh, the Pope uh, John Paul II had mentioned in his encyclical, that what we should do is to uh, pray with loud, loud crowds, cries hmm. to receive God's mercy. Because God's mercy will never disappoint us. As I mentioned uh, in an earlier broadcast, there's a wonderful song that is sung in Poland. It goes something like this. Though our plans and our hopes over and over are seen to be destroyed, only God's mercy will never disappoint us. And that, Jesus, I trust in you even from my early youth and even though the world will doubt yeah, and for for everyone listening that doesn't know, uh, Bob's intimately uh, associated with uh, with uh, Faustina, Saint Faustina, and the message of mercy with the divine mercy. Right. Uh, so much so that Bob's wife was one of the miracles that helped get uh, Saint Faustina approved, and and her mission in a sense proved, which is divine mercy, which is an amazing uh, gift from God. You know, for those out there that don't know, you know the divine mercy chaplet. A beautiful set of prayers where you meditate on 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 the passion of Jesus Christ using a rosary bead. Beautiful. It doesn't take a long time to say. So if you're a parent, I will tell you, you know, it's much easier um, just on on a practical terms to teach a young child the Divine Mercy Chapel than even the rosary, just because of their lack of patience. Um, and that certainly was a tactic that we used in our household. And uh, what a great great um a message is divine mercy and uh so uh thank you uh bob for helping put that on the radar in the states um and just please continue this amazing mission of getting word out you know the the prayer of the divine mercy is extremely efficacious extremely powerful why because if we deserve the greatest punishment in the world that prayer we offering to the Father, the suffering of his, his only Son. Mm. And for the sake of all that he suffered, that it be not in vain, and that he would have mercy on us. As, as a parent who have lost our only child, I know how deeply touched I am when people remember our Bobby. How much more so is God the Father going to be moved if we offer the very suffering and death of his Son? Mm. Have mercy on us. Uh, the, the thing in life is that Yes, God is a just judge, and we receive our judgment, whether it's a reward or a punishment. But the thing is, is that our Lord would say, okay, why don't you come to me as a loving father? You know, even though you feel guilty, come to me as a loving father. Ask for my forgiveness. Mm. And he, he he will give it to us. You know, there's, you know a great, there's a great image uh George, just one second. There's a great image that always struck me from St. Faustina's diary is that God sees man through the wounds of his son, you know? And, and, and I often, when I, when I pray that chaplet, it's almost like, you know, you can almost feel that reality that, you know, I, I want to be seen by you, God, the father through the suffering death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you know, that, that's the prism by which I want to be seen. Um, and it's yeah. a beautiful, beautiful, uh, a mystery and a beautiful devotion. And I think George, you want to, you want to talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah. Well, I think Bob, this is uh, really great stuff. Um, 
And I think the uh, illumination of conscience that that you've spoken about, the um, sure. yeah, the um, you know yeah. the antidote to that right is divine mercy, mm-hmm. right? Because you're going to see yourself really? the way God sees you, and all, and we all we, yeah, and we <laughs> right. all fall. Sh- yeah, it's the vaccine <laughs> for that. We all fall short of the glory of God, and we're going to see that. And it's going to be somewhat painful, I, I would yeah. think. But, you know, as, yeah. as Jesus said, mm-hmm. the greater the sinner, the greater the right he has to my mercy. And the uh, the worst right. sin you could ever possibly commit is but a drop in the ocean of my mercy. And that's, that's what people—that's yeah. really the message of the Catholic Church, it right, is. ultimately. And that's what people are going to need to hear. Um, so— on on the practical standpoint of this, so w- one of the interesting things that you've spoken to me about is uh, Lu- um, Conchita, who you mentioned lives in Long Island, who was kind of like, um, I think she was, uh, bad choice of words, but the ringleader, right? She was the oldest of the, <laughs> of the four four girls, I think, and and um, and and she's seventy one now, and this. 72. 72 now, right? And you know her. I know you correspond with her. And this, uh, you know, this illumination of the warning and the miracle that's supposed to happen in Garabandal, that's supposed to become a permanent sign for the world to see um, and and bring about the conversion of many souls, is supposed to happen before she dies, correct? Um, Maybe not? Yes, because she is to (laughs) announce... To the world, uh, when the miracle w- will take place, as far as the exu- illumination of conscience, <laughs> that's up in the air. That nobody we're knows. We're all waiting for that. Right, right. but She's, but the miracle will happen. You know, the strangest thing about Conchita is that she was born bothered when she was living in the village. Mm. People were coming here and telling her what to do, and and uh, many people wanted to come and talk to her and all that. And so she was invited by uh, a doctor to come to the United States, and she thought she was going to get away from all that. Actually, she walked right into it. Mm. And uh, she's a very private person, and um, she she's very, very holy. Yeah. And, and she, she just said, just simply live the good life and do what we're supposed to do, and then don't focus on, on anything else. Yeah, I guess what what I'm trying to ask though is that you know you don't yeah. know if this is going to happen in the next six months or year or two, but you know she's right. 72. She could live to be 102. It could be 30 years away. But at some point in in most of our lifetimes, I don't know if I'll make it the next 30 years or not. <laughs> you and Bill might, but um, uh, but but there's a possibility that this could happen in our lifetime. A real possibility that this could Very happen in so, our yeah. lifetimes. Correct. It will. Yes. I but believe he, in it. But he, yeah, I believe it's right around the corner. I, I, uh, I think a lot of people to, would to agree with at, that, Bob. The situation of the church and the world and see where we're heading, you know, and uh, things are beginning to escalate, not to lose faith, not to live, lose hope, but to trust in God's mercy. Mm. And, but they, uh, tell you quite honestly, it's going to get rough. And uh, what I'm uh, really concerned with is how this is affecting people. Um, but all the uh, discouragement that's happening in the world, especially among our youth. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in Ireland, I hear, they can't even celebrate Mass. They can't even go to confession. Mm-hmm. And it's at the point where the people are becoming angry, mm-hmm. angry at the bishops. But their hands are tied because of the government. Mm-hmm. The government has everyone down on lockdown. And the youth there 
have been accelerated with the suicide. I believe it. Uh, you know, it's it's so sad. But you know, a big part of the, the message of Garamadel, big part of the of the message of Divine Mercy, is hopeful. Um, I, right. There was a couple things that really struck me. Uh, I, I watched that movie, as we mentioned earlier, uh, the Spanish movie. And you know what I loved, uh, Bob? I loved the f- the uh, the imagery and, and when they kind of shared the facts that Our, Our Lady was playing hide-and-seek with the girls, you know? Yeah, That, that right. in heaven and because God is loving. Th- this is where mm-hmm. this new order got the name, Home of the Mother. Now, what they promote mostly is... Uh, the motherhood of God, how a lady came to Garabandel, not with a message of doom and gloom and, and a frightening message, but a message of that she is a loving mother. In, in fact, her, here, here was another thing about the, the girls were in church and they were singing, and all of a sudden they had a vision of a lady who was belly laughing. She was laughing hysterically because one or two of the girls were off key. And so the girls started laughing. And the priest says, What's going on here? Don't you know you're in church? You shouldn't be laughing. You know, uh, but it just shows the very tenderness and love of that's, a mother. That's a great message. To we're we're almost running out of time, but yeah, you know, I want to point everyone to one other thing. Mm. The the series, the chosen uh, about you know, the life of Jesus Christ leading up to the uh, Passion, is is on, and it's a beautiful depiction, in my opinion, of how loving Jesus Christ is. There's some scenes in some of those episodes that sort of paints the same picture that really is the message of hope from Garabandel. I don't know, Bob, if you've seen that series, but man, there are some great, even visual resources for us to go to, to really focus on the hope and the love of of which that God wants to just pour out upon us. Um, And and, uh, I I certainly wanted to get that message in there because The Chosen has been phenomenal. I know, George, you've watched it too. Yeah, it's been great. And Bob, we only have about, you know, 20 or 30 seconds left. We're going to have to go, but this has been great. For the men to hear, because uh, I consider you, an, you know, an expert on Garabandal, and and just to put it out there, for, uh, you know, for men, you check out you that. You have to go to confession over that one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, you gave us a lot of info too. You the did. book Garabandal, Message of Hope, is a great thing to check out. Uh, Glenn Hudson's uh, Facebook page, which you said he's the real expert, right? Yep. He's got lots of info on there, so check it out. And whether you know we have to wait for an illumination of conscience or not. Not everybody's going to make it. You know, people are people die every day, right? Indeed. And we need to be ready. Uh, well, well, they're, they're all ready with having illumination of conscience yeah. at that point. Yeah. Indeed. Well, but, Bob, thank you so much. And, George, thank you for those amazing you. insights. My brothers, we have to run. We have to hit the road. We, uh, we'll be praying for you. Uh, please reach out to uh, Blessed uh, Edmund Rice, our Saint of the Month. Yep. And uh, I recommend watching the uh, Garabandel movie on, on Amazon Prime and The Chosen, which is on Pure Flix. And Fatima tonight. Yes, Fatima tonight. God bless my <laughs> brothers. Take care.